My goodness, I've just had the nicest conversation with Antonia and Johnny. They're a husband and wife team and co-founders of the brilliant skincare brand Nursum. And it's a conversation that's going to stay with me for a long time, not just because they're just so nice, but actually how they spoke about what is a common thread of all entrepreneurs. It's that identifying a gap in the market based on your own experience. And all you want to do is find a solution. And then a company is born. And Antonia and Johnny have actually just gone one step further. Not only have they created a company, but they've also managed to do something quite beautiful. And they donate a month's worth of free hand cream to the NHS health professionals every time a product sold. Now, you might think that's an odd thing for nurses to want. You must listen to hear the unbelievable truths that our nurses go through and how Nursum, this beautiful brand, is really not only serving to do good for all of our hands, but is actually doing so much good for those that we should thank the most. I really hope you enjoy. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. Hi, I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to my podcast, Conversations of Inspiration. I founded my first business, Not on the High Street, at 28, with a newborn strapped to my chest. Nearly 20 years on, he's all grown up and I'm running my second business, Holly & Co., I've learned so much about taking risks, running a business and some extraordinary life lessons along the way. And I know others have too. Yet despite the wealth of experience we have between us, lessons like this are often left unheard and it can feel like we're travelling our paths alone. So I've reached out to founders and those who simply inspire me to share their hard-earned wisdom with you. My hope is that collectively, these remarkable realisations will help you on your own journey. I like to think of it as inspiration for life. If you enjoy this episode, might I ask you to share it with a friend and to like, subscribe and review it so that together we can ignite people's passion across the UK. Now, let's begin this week's Conversation of Inspiration. Hi, Antonia, and hello, Johnny. Such a pleasure to meet you both. You are the founders of Nursum, and we're going to hear all about your amazing story. But welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us, Holly. Oh, well, it's going to be such a lovely hour that we spend together because you're a husband and wife team. You founded Nursum, a skincare brand that gives back, supporting healthcare professionals working in the NHS. And it's one of those amazing stories of highs and lows, probably the lows you can still feel in the pit of your stomach, (laughs) but you've had Dragon's Den, you've been on such a journey. Tell me what this start of 2024 has been like for you. Has it got off to a good start this year? Uh, Yeah, it feels quite liberating, if I'm honest. So much to look forward to, so much to do. Our to-do list always gets bigger, (laughs) but amazing. Like, yeah. I feel like we've got full of full of energy and, and excitement. And I, I saw that you'd um, just had a phenomenal response to your crowdfunding yes. that you did uh, late last year. What was that like, Antonia? Because I can imagine it's nail-biting stuff. Absolutely. I think the reason, well, we'll go into this in a bit more detail, I'm sure, but um, the whole idea of a community, our community investing in us is just absolutely amazing. And I think it kind of, has made us realise even more what a fantastic community we have for starters, but also the fact that they're willing to get behind us and back us. And that is just such a, a great feeling. You know, there's not many businesses out there like yours, businesses that are exciting, but also doing good. And then actually now the community, as you said, customers and in fact, can get behind these sorts of things. There's, there's not many brands like yours. How did it feel when you saw the response? Was that to crowdfunding? To crowdfunding, yeah. yeah. It just went off, didn't it, in a couple of days? Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, we're in Newcastle. We work from home most of the time. To be able to to have that kind of response from people that you've never met before, from all over the country and, and in fact sometimes in other countries as well just you, yeah it's it's quite it's, it makes you feel like actually what you're doing is really valued 
Which keeps you going for longer. It's what entrepreneurs <laughs> need, isn't it? Yeah. It's like uh, our jet fuel packs get sort of recharged. Totally. And we, we live off it for, for live off it for the next year. Yeah. I'm wondering if before we delve into your story properly, might you just give us an overview of Nursum and what you sell and how you give back, just for those listening that might not be familiar? Well, Nursum is about caring and effectiveness. Those values are really come from where the brand was founded, from the nursing community. And our main focus is to be um, the go-to solution for looking after your hands. We pride ourselves on making sure that our products do exactly what they say they're going to do. And we aim for them to be um, super effective and to not just look after you and your own skin, but to go that next step and give back and help someone else. I find companies with just a very clear single mission it's really empowering because, you know, who would have thought when you both, uh, am I right in saying you both met at school? Is that right? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Your parents to three young children now. Were you boyfriend and girlfriend at school? Was this yeah. a romance that started there? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I was the year below Johnny. So I was 16 and Johnny was 17 when we started going out at school. And I just used to know him as Mr. and Mrs. Philp's son. So two of the technology teachers at school were Johnny's parents. Um, so was, I was slightly nervous about that. But um, yeah, so so started going out. He, Johnny was in lower sixth and I was, uh, oh no, I was in lower sixth. He was in upper sixth. And yeah, and that was where it started. And, it was a while ago that now. Yeah, <laughs> I think 23 years um, this oh, 24 years this year. How amazing. Which is crazy that we've been together. And we, I mean, and the fact that you're now co-founders with this single sort of mission and that you're going to sort of potentially change skincare in the UK is quite incredible when you think back. What would your, pa- Johnny, your parents, they must be, what were they teachers of? They were both technology teachers. So design, technology. Yeah, it's, it's kind of in my blood I think, making stuff. <laughs> making things happen. Yeah. After school, you both moved to Manchester to study. And Antonia, you got your degree in nursing. Yeah. Had that always been something that you'd wanted to do? Yes, absolutely. I think I wanted to be a nurse from the age of about five. And I used to kind of line my siblings up and administer all sorts to them and put bandages on and things <laughs> like that. So that was definitely very much discovered at an early age. And I just loved always looking after people and I feel like it's very much within me it's definitely a vocation and I feel that that has always been my thing like Mm. a massive part of my identity really is the fact that I'm a nurse. Yeah I mean just such respect to you and it sounds like it was were your parents in the profession? No no Um, I'm one of seven though and um, a couple of my siblings have gone into medicine as well and I think probably just that kind of having to look after each other a little bit has maybe maybe started it (laughs) off I don't know protect each other. Yeah. And and Johnny, your background was in marketing and innovation. Um, Had you always had an entrepreneurial itch, do you think? Like, were you starting businesses at a young age and selling things to your (laughs) upper sixth crew? Yeah, I think there was always something in me that was trying to sell something, make something. I've had various things that I've done over the years, but I'm a bit jealous of people like Antonio where They've kind of known what they've wanted to do for a long time. It's so much easier. <laughs> much easier. You don't have to spend ages. Yeah, <laughs> don't have to spend ages trying stuff all the time. What were some of your early adventures um, like, Johnny, oh. when you were thinking about businesses? Well, I was. I only lasted a few months at university. I, it didn't really work for me. But whilst I was at uni, I spent more time in the library conjuring up a business idea, and uh, I remember launching a product into Boots. I think it was about 1,200 boot stores or something, nearly all of them. I didn't have any money, didn't quite really know what on earth I was doing. And that was kind of my university, really. It was like. Well, you launched, sorry, you created a company and launched it into 1,200 boots from uni. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whilst I was sort of in my dorm room and. Yeah, the library was pretty nice working from there. So I, I used to go down there and <laughs> use the facilities. But I, it was hilarious because my goal was to get it into boots and I, I didn't obsess over the product. That was my success measure was let's get it into boots and then it'll be successful. And actually it it flopped terribly. So that, I learned way more than from that than had I have spent a few months more at uni. The University of Life taught you exactly uh, far, far more. 
If we fast forward a little bit, and by now you were both busy working in your careers, Antonia, you'd qualified as a children's nurse and started working at a children's hospital and pretty much straight away started having problems with your hands. Yes. And this is just one of these, you know, I, I want to, there should be like a book created with the sort of the stories of entrepreneurs and how ideas happen, because it's normally, isn't it, from a real life experience mm -hmm. that then someone decides to solve the problem. Because it was nearly the end of your career, as in like your hands were so bad before you'd begun. Can you tell us about that time in your life and how that problem manifested itself? Yeah, of course. So I had started on a kind of busy medical ward. And so I'd have like five or six children a day in my patients. And the nature of the ward was that there was lots of IV antibiotics that had to be given. With that, you're kind of constantly washing your hands. So on average, about 50 to 60 times a day. And my hands oh just, my yeah. And I was at like 20, I think I would have been about 23 and my hands just went like they were just horrendous. So they were cracked. They were bleeding. I used to hide them like I'd go and type in my um, pin number into a chip and pin machine. And I'd just like be mortified because I felt like everybody could see how horrendous they were. Mm. And I basically wasn't allowed to work. So I went to my ward manager and she said, no, you need to go and see occupational health. Um, went and saw occupational health and they said, you need to take two weeks off work at least until they're better. And then we need to potentially look at this further. So there's not really that many options for kind of healthcare staff whose hands become like this. And kind of the only options really were really heavy emollient-based hand creams or steroids, mm. which neither I really wanted to kind of to do, but I tried multiple, multiple, multiple hand creams just to see if I could find a solution. I was really angry. I was like, I have literally, this is my job that I've wanted to do forever. And potentially this problem is so bad that I could potentially not be able to work as a nurse. I never even thought of this yeah. though, how much you have to wash your hands. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think healthcare staff are alone in this at all. Like I know that a lot of people, like a lot of creatives use their hands so much, like hairdressers, gardeners, florists, builders. Mm. Like we've got so many people that have the same problem, which is essentially like contact dermatitis. I can just remember going back home, um, back to my parents' house, and they were in the Lake District at the time, and I opened the door and I just burst out crying when, my, when I saw my mum and she was like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm not allowed to work. And I was just literally devastated. And I think that pure kind of upset around it all, I was mm. so upset that it then fueled, it kind of built up as this kind of anger. It's like, well, I need to do something about this. Like, I need to solve this yeah. problem because it's not just me. Yeah. So that was, I guess, in a way where it was born from. The light bulb moment. Yeah, exactly. And Johnny, as a natural entrepreneur, did you at the time see this as an opportunity, see this gap in the market, you know, obviously helping your wife and, and it's a lived experience. And as Antonio is saying, it's you must have been talking to your colleagues who all were going through a similar thing. W w was that the moment that you thought, actually, we need to do something? Well, I didn't realise how many nurses and, and midwives and other healthcare professionals that there were across the UK. So at that moment in time, it was really just, I'd heard that story so many times. I thought, grief, we just need to sort something out for Antonia so that she can go back to work. Yeah. It was only a bit later that we started to do more research and and then seeing the demand from other nurses that were contacting Antonia that the penny dropped. But it was a maybe a year or so later before we discovered that. Discovered that. Discovered that there was there's such a need for it in that community. Yeah. I can empathize with Antonia's problem, but I, I didn't know any other nurses. I don't I didn't have any friends who work in that environment. So mm. for as a complete sort of lay person, I was thinking well, we just need to fix this for you first. And then like, yeah. you know, because otherwise the thing is with ideas is you can kill them too quickly. Mm -hmm. So if I'd have immediately gone, ooh, ding, I wonder if there's, how many nurses are there? Blah, 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 and gone down that whole route of, you know, looking at numbers and blah, 
it takes the love and the passion out of why that thing would have got created in the first place. Yes. So I'm really pleased that actually, in hindsight, I just didn't do it. It, it was kind of just yeah. like, whoo, straight over the top of my head. It reminds me of actually another guest, Danny Gray, who's the founder of War Paint. And he is another entrepreneur who also actually entered the Dragon's Den. And his business was founded basically on a solution to fixing a problem that he was experiencing. Yeah. You know, he was being bullied and there was no makeup for men, all these sorts of things. And we spoke about the power of trusting your gut. And I'm wondering if that point when you were dreaming up Nursum, if it just felt right, did you feel like you were following sort of something maybe predetermined? <laughs> you, you didn't know what the map was. You didn't know what the coordinates were, but you sort of knew it was predetermined for you both? Yeah, I think it's about having a bit of trust in yourself and the fact that I think the best ideas are the ones that are born from a problem. And I think that that for us has, has driven us massively just throughout throughout create the creation of this business, throughout the kind of the harder times, because we know that it's needed mm. and it's required and it's it is a huge problem and that problem's not going to go away. So actually that then gives you more fuel and more fire in your belly to keep going mm. when the times are hard. I think actually when I think about what you were just saying there and you do, because, you know, we're going to go into your story, which has certainly had some roller coaster moments, but actually when the idea is so pure, you know, it's just, it is solving a problem that is true. You know, this is a true problem and this is a solution. Yeah. I think it's very simple, but it is such a life raft for us entrepreneurs to hold on to that when actually sometimes what can happen is you actually forget it. You, but the business becomes so noisy and you're in the detail and you've got this fire over here and another fire over there. Mm -hmm. And you sort of sometimes forget the life raft, which is there was a problem and this does solve the problem. Yeah. So we're going to be okay somehow, yes. because it actually is a true equation there. Whereas actually sometimes people can, I don't know, you know, the, the USP isn't really there or the, the problem solving isn't. It's maybe marketing, it's, you know, a copycat or of something else. And that's very hard for them to hold on to something when times are tough. Totally. Absolutely. I think that the validation of the demand piece is another thing that I think for entrepreneurs who are sort of maybe at that stage, how do you quickly validate that people need what it is that you're looking to create or have already created. There's times when you just want to give up and mm. they're very often. <laughs> but if you have people who are like, you know, customers or who say, like, this stuff has changed my life. Mm. I I'm so grateful. That's all you need. And it keeps you going. Yeah. <laughs> Goes back into that jetpack we were talking yeah. about, yeah. isn't it? That's another little lead that's going in there. Yeah, exactly. well, a funny thing, before we get into your story, uh, just and whether you're willing to be this vulnerable or not, it makes me laugh when you say you just when you want to give up, which is often. I think that's something that not many people think about and talk about here. How many times would you say is it a weekly occurrence? I mean, it's a weekly occurrence for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. like and sometimes it can be like daily. Mm -hmm. It can be a daily. Why am I doing like literally? Why am I doing this? Yeah. This is so hard. And it's not enjoyable. And I'm meant to be living, you know, I've written a book, do what you love, love what you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like going, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> now, the, on the flip side, would you ever change it for the world? No. That's the weird, weird thing yeah. about it, though. Yeah. I, I think, Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, this is why we spent hours talking about this. And you think, why don't we just do some normal so, stuff and, yeah. you know, go actually go and have a holiday for a change and, yeah. you know... <laughs> You know, you've only got three children and a business and a, and a job. Do you know what I mean? Like, my goodness, your household yeah. must be so busy. But we might we want to give up daily, and yet we wouldn't change it for the world. That's a sick, isn't it? It's a it's a it's a it's it's really a nasty place to be in in your head, isn't it? Yeah, and I think for Johnny because I'm still nursing as well. So in a way, he's with it. He's in the business every single day. So I think that a lot of the time. I, I mean, I, I can come home sometimes from work and, and I'll be like, are you OK? Like, what's what's gone on today? And he's just like, oh, just don't even ask. And I'm just like, oh, grief. Like, and then and then I'll, we'll sit like once the boys are in bed, I'll sit like for a good hour just talking over like what's happened and what we can change. And, and it is that kind of like 
you feel like the the path of the business is directly related to the path of your emotions. And I think that that's really hard. And it is that we are so invested in this company and we are so passionate about what we're doing. The idea of not having it makes you feel like it's a bereavement, yeah. like the, the thought of not having Nersim yes. in our lives would feel like we had lost like a member of our family, which is just, again, sounds absolutely ridiculous. But it's so, so true. Yeah. It's and like the truest so thing you could say. Yeah. Because it's, it's when you have a business that is you, your identity is basically mixed into the DNA. Yeah. So how do you separate it out? Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't shut the door and um, say, well, that was a tough day at the office, but, you know, I'll pick it up in the morning. Yeah. It is something that's just f forever, forever open tabs, you know, never shutting down no. at all, never going on holiday. Right, let's get back to your story <laughs> because what we were just talking about is I'm right in thinking that that was 2011, roughly when the light bulb moments were come, going off. So it was a steep hill to climb because even though, Johnny, you'd already got product into boots, you know, at uni, <laughs> I'm assuming you hadn't actually built a company. This product had to be formulated. It had to stand out. It had to make a true difference. So this wasn't just smell, nice, smelly hand cream was it this was actually you had it had a job to do it needs to be safe enough to go into hospitals functional enough I know Antonio you're it was very very important to go into the nurses pockets as well yeah how did you begin to tackle something like that do you know that the thing that is slightly weird is that we we didn't land on hand cream to start with right so we focused on the problem what is the problem and why does it happen Let's go deep on that first. And then once you know what's actually causing the issue and how people behave and the environment that it happens in, then you can start to like engineer a solution around it. So the, the most simplest, elegant solution would be, oh, well, maybe you can change the way that people wash their hands or mm -hmm. like come up with a technology that allows them to not have to wash their hands or yep. you know, some sort of really, really high tech solution. But then that would cost a fortune. You'd have to have a wholesale change in the NHS organisation and so on. So that, that's never going to happen. And so the reason that we sort of reversed into hand cream is people know it. They understand that you don't need to educate them. And it then gave us absolute focus on, OK, so what goes in the tube is the thing that really does matter. Mm -hmm. And because we'd spent months, if not probably a year or longer at that point, reading white papers on contact dermatitis, there, uh, that's some good bedtime reading for <laughs> yeah. you. <laughs> Another perk of the job, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But if you're, you know, if you're trying to create a solution that's superior and that really does the job, you have to know this stuff inside out. Mm -hmm. And that was our sort of the bit that we spent the most amount of time understanding. Because then once you figured out, okay, well, here's a potential solution, it means that you can get to that solution and the answer way faster. And that was part of my learning from, you know, just launching any anything into boots and it doesn't work. <laughs> and didn't you get a, um, you secured an incubator slot, is that right, at Newcastle Science City? That's right. Well, that must have helped you enormously. Yeah. Nursum wouldn't be here now if we didn't have that. So what is that? It was like an organisation that, I think there was a couple of them across the UK. It was basically supporting anything with a scientific background and because it was formulation and skincare and and something that was really about effectiveness, we managed to secure a slot. I later found out that I was the wild card, <laughs> uh, you know, recruit. Were you? Yeah, they, were, they, they, yeah. Were, they, were, they hired three three people with three ideas. There was someone from the world of banking. There's another guy who would run, a, I think, a record label or something. And then there was me. I didn't have my degree. And I think I had like a waiting list of 10,000 people and that was my credentials. <laughs> so back to the demand How point, fantastic. if you can prove that, it opens doors. And really that was 12 months of, you know, from the start to the finish, you have to prove that this can make its way. They provided some some funding and, and helped us to, to do the testing to prove that it could be used on a hospital ward, which was a, a an absolute non-negotiable, you know, if we're going to provide this to mm -hmm. nurses and, and healthcare professionals, then it has to be able to not just look after them, but be safe around patients too, um, which is very unique because most retail products 
probably never even have to think about that stuff. No. And it costs a lot of money, so it's a big barrier to entry for, you know, little old us when we didn't have a penny to yeah. throw together. So that was an immense help. And without it, Nursum just wouldn't be here today. Since I was a child, I've always been curious about art, passionate about trying new things and fascinated by finding new ways to express myself. And since setting up my first business, Not on the High Street, my vision has always been to create a world in which someone just like you or I can be creatively inspired, whether that be through a podcast like this by helping you turn your dream into a business or to enjoy shopping through thoughtful, never-seen-before finds that can take you in a new direction or help show the world how you feel. When I discovered the small business community, it felt like I'd come home. There are people who can translate emotions into objects, people who conceive of things we never could have, and talent beyond our wildest imaginations. That's why I set up Holly & Co, to bring them all together, to support each another and to help you become the person you always wanted to be. I've handpicked them all, so we have skills in all areas, from embroiderers to bakers to glass etchers to paper bird makers, and so that you can learn the rich stories behind everyone and shop from them too. For me, it's a dream come true, and I hope it inspires you too. Visit holly.co to find out more. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. So you developed the new hand cream. You had your first batch, and I think I'm right in saying that you called it Yes Nurse. (laughs) Um, Was this... Am I right in saying that? So, I mean, That's you so don't need to be embarrassed. You, you should you should have heard some of my first names before, not on the high street. It's actually just insane. Um, but I also read that you've said that you were very naive, that you had a lot of stock to shift, but basically nothing else in place. And I think these are the stories that I think are really important to share with people yeah. because... I know, I think we all have imposter syndrome, don't we? You know, I bet they wouldn't do that. Or, I, you know, how could we call it yes, nurse? And, you know, the the stories you hear, it's just no one has got a linear line to success. And everyone here is nodding along, by the way. So everyone (laughs) listening is going, "Uh uh-huh, I know this, I know this. So I've spoken to many guests about this gift that we call naivety. Because definitely 100%, if you knew what you know now, there is a definite chance that you wouldn't have started yeah. the company at all, right? Because why would we want to do this? Tell me about the struggles and challenges you faced at this time. So I think, well, in, initially, well, the name How Yesness, we I know, um, the name Yesness very much came from kind of like, like it was a very positive word, like yes, like it was a nurse, it's meant for nurses. But um, it was actually quite hilarious having, trying to have kind of, proper conversations with people and you you would ring up on the phone and say oh um hi this is Antonia from Yes Nurse and they automatically thought it was some kind of like something a bit dodgy or some kind of uh, like <laughs> carry on film or something like that and we were like oh grief we've got to change the name but like it's it's just saying it enough to then be like actually maybe it's not the best best name for, for the business so yeah so we changed that but um I try you, you can probably talk a bit more Johnny about the struggles. Challenges specifically, it, I mean, there's a lot in a name as well, isn't there? You know, people just don't take you seriously mm. if they don't really believe what it is that you're saying. The number of times I stood in front of a, a have a board meeting for the Science City guys and they, 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 if they, if I had a pound every time they said, the world doesn't need another hand cream, Johnny, what are you doing? Yeah. It, it would be very different. I just got very good at kind of blocking that stuff out. Yeah. And thinking, well, mm. you don't know mm. what we know. What is it? What's that? It's called like contrarian thinking, which is if you Mm. understand a truth about the world that most people don't agree with, there's a chance that you can have a breakthrough because you'll be (laughs) able to keep working on it. And you know that it's true, but everyone else is like, I think he's lost his marbles. I don't really know what these guys are doing anymore, (laughs) but they're making hand cream. But we have we had a very different view of that of the world at that time yeah. and still kind of do to be honest and then you had a pallet of stock in your house did you yes yeah we we lived in a flat when we first got married and um we used to have to put it was an upstairs flat so we used to put boxes 
on each stair as you were going up uh, uh, to get upstairs. <laughs> so you had to kind of walk up sideways like a crab to get to be able to get to the top because there was too much stock in the flat. Well, you used your mum and dad's house quite a lot as well. So like for fulfilling the orders and stuff. So we would have, yeah. I can remember sitting on multiple nights, we would just have kind of like the stock all just spread out on the floor and we're putting them into boxes and like writing little like hand handwritten notes and things. And I can remember I think I think we had like an article in like in in one of the magazines and and we we got it was just before Christmas and we suddenly got like like this surge of orders through and it was like the biggest kind of amount of orders we'd ever had. And it was probably only a couple of hundred kind of thing, but it felt like so like such a yeah. big deal. Uh so it was like I, I think it was proper scrappy if you want to say for use of yeah. a better word but we but so good yeah but so good but we never <laughs> yeah, but so good yeah, yeah so yeah. good it's those is I feel like they're the wartime stories you know that you can you can pass on to your children to saying how it began you know I remember Joe Malone talking about making the fragrance in her bath right <laughs> and selling them right that was in her bath and then it got so busy she was like I definitely needs to no one needs to know that it was from the bath that it started you know these are the scrappy real real stories aren't yeah. they so that was so 2012 to 2017 I think you were living just on Antonia's salary you must have had dark days at this point in time that, that this giving up might have been sort of like hourly rather than daily yeah. there was definitely a lot of convincing you that this was going to be a good idea yeah I, I just remember that vividly having every week I was like you will I'll prove you wrong eventually I promise just please don't make us give up quite so soon <laughs> I and I think it, to be honest I think we were able to live because we, we we've always been quite kind of frugal people and like we're not overly excessive and we're, we're quite happy just as long as we're like we can plod on by but I think the thing a big thing that changed was well we got married in 2015 and um not long after that in 2017 our first child came along and it was kind of suddenly it was like well actually we really need to earn some money from this like this this can't just be just a little project anymore it has to bring us money or bring us in money or we just can't continue with this so that was a big mm. I guess a big thing to change things up a yeah. little bit N- wasn't nursery it, fees really? aren't cheap I think anyone will know no so that's a that's yeah. that's definitely something you have to kind of factor in I'm quite proud of those days to be honest because there was times when we would have to go and queue up to go and get universal credit for example and and at the time you think oh, like what 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 are we doing here? This is not what we had in the in the plan. Mm-hmm. But you think, well, no, we're doing this because we need to be able to make sure we can cover our nursery fees. So so that I could still work as well as a nurse. And and I think I I went from being full time to dropping my hours a bit because the cost of childcare was so is so yeah. high that it was just like, well, it's pointless to see me even working. So it was such a juggle, and it's such a a ridiculous situation that someone like yourself would need to do that. When you had these difficult times, I mean, they were dark, but you carried on. But I know, Johnny, in 2015, you faced an even bigger challenge when you were diagnosed with a brain tumour. And thankfully, thankfully, you were able to have an operation and it was removed. And I'm so sorry that you went through that because I can imagine it was an utterly terrifying situation. But I'm wondering if going through something like that, coupled with the last six years of trying to get your brand off the ground, brought you, I don't know, closer to wanting to solve it or further away from breaking point? What kept you going? Uh, so when I when I found out about it, it obviously it was a shock. Uh, you think you're kind of invincible and then you're not. Uh, so I think that's, that's kind of like, oh, wow, okay, so uh, I'm just going to have to deal with this. And it was, thankfully, it was when I was speaking to the neurosurgeon, he was like, look, if you're going to have a brain tumour, this is the one that I would want. It's slow growing, it's benign, you know, we'll watch it and wait and we'll just keep giving you an MRI every 12 months. But for me, it was like having a little sort of clock, ticking clock in my head where I thought, I've got 12 months, 
let's see what I can do in 12 months and then I have to go back and maybe this time he's going to tell me it has to come out or something's got worse or whatever. So that's a very weird feeling where Christmas time would come, I'd go and see him and he'd say, yep, you're okay this year. And that sense of relief just before Christmas was amazing. Mm. But it also made me think, I'd lie in the MRI scanner and it's going, you know, and you sit, you're in there for half an hour and you think, what have I actually done this year? Like, what what can I hand on heart mm. say that I'm really pleased that I did? And as the years sort of went past, it was almost, I can see it now, you know, I'm in the machine and I'm just thinking, you need to just do more, like push harder, stop, stop. What's holding you back? Uh, and that's when, you know, things like Dragon's Den, I would never, ever have considered putting our names down for that had I have maybe not had the brain tumour because I would have probably thought, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, there's no, there isn't something behind me p- pushing me to do it. So the, it's a blessing in, a, in disguise, I suppose, if you want to look at, look at it mm-hmm. like that. And then when I did have to go into hospital, which was September 2022, to have it taken out, in a way, because I'm not from that environment and Antonio is, it gave me like the ultimate kind of empathy or understanding for just like what yep. do these guys do every single day? And I'm, I can still see the people who used to come in and look after me when I was when I was in there and how, how happy they made me and how, how well they looked after me. I'm still trying to come up with ways to be able to like thank them <laughs> there's only so much hand cream and nurse and stuff you can deliver to one ward <laughs> um so yeah I, but it's just given us like this insane amount of fuel and energy to go how do we help these people as much as humanly possible because if you think about it no one's looking after them but they're looking after countless number of people every single day yeah, so absolutely maybe that's our little mission is like if nursing can be that brand that just looks after people. And that's what I think, because something happened and everything started to sort of change, it feels like, when I was researching, you know, you entered into this sort of new partnership, you relaunched the brand as Nursum, and you adopted the Nursum promise. And I'd love to hear what that is, because I think you both really represent a business with true mission and guts and vision, but also true heart, you know, and that's what potentially is the opportunity for your brand is to have the nurses back. Would you tell me about what this promise is and where it came from? So with the nurse and promise for every product that we sell, so any of our range of products, we give a month's worth of free hand care to a, a nurse, midwife or other healthcare professional. And to date, we've delivered uh, six. So each, so each month is classed as what we call a promise. Mm-hmm. So to date, we've delivered over 630,000 promises to the NHS. Amazing! It's really amazing in the sense of we've benefited so much from the NHS, not only through Johnny, but also through our three boys. And we feel like we will always want to pay them back and and say thank you, really. So this is, I guess, our way of doing it. And we want to be able to continue doing this. And this is like our business's mission and always will be. That must be, I mean, the response has, must be, well, tell me about that response, because that is just incredible. Yeah. We were mentioning a moment ago about the highs and the lows. Yeah, you know when you when you get messages from from some of the nurses or other other staff who who say, yeah, I've been a nurse for thirty years. It's the first time that I I can go into work, and it my, I don't have to just put up with the fact that my hands are painful or sore. Mm. This has like transformed my my life, and I know that that sounds incredibly uh, almost too good to be true. Mm-hmm. The the number of reviews and things that we have like that is just amazing and and that's kind of the reason that we've carried on it just gives you this incredible amount of energy that you think well well there you go that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing so let's just keep doing it you know you've got the sort of like the consumer benefit which is it's obviously incredible hand cream and actually looking after the nation's hands but you're also now delivering on that sort of the, you know, the the balcony approach to a business where it's outside of what you actually do. You're helping people, truly helping people. Those stories that are coming back, they are too good to be true because actually what you're doing is a little bit too good to be true. It is a beautiful thing of, of modern business, which obviously you are, that we're understanding what's outside of our day to day and that we're here to make a difference. 
tell me about, because just a couple of years later, um, COVID happened. And tell me about the impact of nursing, because obviously that whole period of time, I mean, actually, sometimes I can't believe we actually went through it. Um, And I know many businesses, you know, we're still coming out of the effects of it. But suddenly, you know, for a brand like yourself, that was pretty when everyone wanted to wash their hands quite a lot. I mean, you couldn't have made it up. How did you cope with what I'm going to assume was ridiculous demand? It was utterly bananas. I yeah. mean, there's no better way to phrase it, if I'm honest. I th- I'm just glad that we managed to to do what we managed to do, which was, I think we went out of stock maybe once across that whole time. Wow. And that was only because it got to the stage we, we'd obviously launched into Boots by then. And whoever is out there who, who also works with, with partners like Boots, you can't miss deliveries. Like You have to be there on time all the time. And there was a point where we, I think we maybe had a, a couple of pallets left in our warehouse and, and we said that the guys at Boots, look, we hospitals need this. Like the promise comes first. Please, 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 will you allow us to give this back to nurses? And and it means that we're going to lose sales and unfortunately we're going to go out of stock. And thank goodness Boots were of, sort of recognised that and they were really good at supporting us. And mm. that was a really good test actually because you say you have these values and you say you have this mission, but in the heat of the moment, you think, oh, grief, that's, oh, no, that's like a month of not selling our hero product. What are we doing? Yes. But then we all sat around as a team. We were like, this is exactly why we have our promise. So if we miss this, mm-hmm. we'll we'll never be able to look at ourselves in the mirror again. So yeah. and we, gave, we gave it all away. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. What was it like for both of you running the business during that time? It was so stressful, yet it was the perfect, in a way, the perfect storm for for us because the nation truly experienced what it was like to have to wash your hands 50 to 60 times a day, to have to apply hand gels all the time, to have Mm. like that that kind of massive worry about the fact of, oh my goodness, like, have I got an infection on my hands? If I touch somebody else, are I then going to give them an infection? Like, it's just everyone was so heightened around it. Mm. And so, yeah, so everybody experienced it fully and, and their hands broke down, unfortunately. And I can imagine you two as bosses and you're pretty lovely bosses, I bet. And so the, <laughs> this is where your work, you know, people that work for you wanted to go above and beyond. But I mean, how did you then cope with because is it 2020 that you then featured on Dragon's Den 2, which I've watched? And I mean, of course, you just nailed it. Absolutely. <laughs> what was that experience like? I mean, that was, was the timing a bit odd as well for you? It was really odd because we'd all been in lockdown and you weren't allowed to travel until, you know, unless it was business related or something fundamental. Yeah. So it was actually, for us at least, at the time we were thinking, oh, well, great. Even if we fudge this up, at least we've got to escape the house for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, you know, we're always winners here. So if, even if we don't get any offers, yeah. at least we've had a trip somewhere. <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, we'd been practising for weeks and weeks and weeks um you know you know when you're learning a language and you'd print out print yeah. it out and stick it on the kitchen cupboards we used to practice pitching to our two kids at the time um and they used to just go go at us in the kitchen thinking what is mommy and daddy doing i have no idea <laughs> what are they saying <laughs> yeah it was great fun, but it was super nerve-wracking, I yeah. think. You'll probably agree, Antonia. Yeah, I think it was it was one of those kind of weird pinch-me moments where, where you know, when you when you see someone who's famous on the street or something and you're like, oh, I know them. They're like one of my friends. Oh, no, I don't actually know them. They're just somebody who's famous. Yeah. <laughs> and like to walk out of that lift and then see five people in front of you that you feel like you know, but you don't know. And then we were well and truly grilled. I think we were in the den for about two hours, two and a bit hours in in total. And it was pretty scary stuff. But yeah, it was a great experience. My goodness. So they just, so they take two and a half hours and then they just edit it down to the five minutes or whatever we see as as the audience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How amazing. And so you were successful with Dragon's Den as well. You've went through COVID. You'd had all this surge of 
awareness for literally, I mean, in a way, you couldn't have got a better advert. You know, the whole nation had to experience the problem that you have been for seven years saying, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. And now suddenly you're all doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to this point now and, and very happily you've experienced this huge growth in your brand and your caring hand cream has now become your bestseller and is fast becoming the nation's favourite hand cream. Your Stockton Boots, Space MK, Harrods, just to name a few places. You both work tirelessly and I know that from everything I've read to how hard you work I'm wondering what advice you might share with those listening who perhaps are a year or two into their business feeling like it might not happen I'm thinking Johnny you know going back to the bedroom you know seven years and the the hourly I'm not going to do this anymore I cannot (laughs) keep going what what would you say when you look back now two things I think if I could just try and shortcut to them hang out with more founders because no one ever really truly understands you and the stuff you're dealing with unless you just hang out with other people who are also doing it mm-hmm. especially those who've kind of been through it because they can they can it's true empathy yeah and also you can make some of my closest friends are they run their own businesses and stuff it's you you can finish each other's sentences on on some days and the other one is the demand thing if you don't get a re- good response from people and you've been trying it and trying it, you just need to quickly assess, am I creating value for someone here? Because if you're not, then that's a question mark. Because mm-hmm. don't forget that time, your time specifically, is not free and it's not infinite. Yeah. So you could be doing something else that maybe makes you happier or whatever, but unless you're helping someone and they're going, wow, this is incredible then that's what you need to work towards. What would you say, Antonio? What would you? I think in a way that with business, I think people often think about businesses through kind of rose-tinted glasses and and they will see the end result. They'll see the like the people like rocking up at their in their like fancy house or in their Porsche or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And they don't realise actually there's a lot of hard graft and suffering that goes into that end point. And I think it's very, very, very easy to think, well, like, but that's what you're going to get. Like, there's not really going to be much, much to get to that point. But we've well and truly experienced what it's like to build a business and to have a lot of hardship around the building part. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. we're still not there. Like we've we've built an amazing company, but we we're still not we're not rolling in it. Like we're not kind of like yeah yeah. But actually, you're in the growth stage, aren't you? You're it- exactly. But I feel like because we truly, well and truly believe in what we're doing, and we've built value through what we've created, it makes it easier. Like I was talking before, it makes it easier to put up with the bad stuff yeah. because it just if it, when you know that you've got something that really makes a difference that massively helps yeah the purpose sitting there absolutely protecting you from making that you know pressing the red button exactly. so to speak and eject. everyone falling out the bottom <laughs> or so eject exactly yeah because it's, I'm out of here week I hand this ad break over to our partners at Royal Mail who I'm thrilled to say are huge supporters of the small business community and who I've worked with here at Holly & Co for over three years. This week I wanted to remind any founders who are listening about the Royal Mail Small Business Hub. It's a fantastic free resource sharing all kinds of insights from trusted sources and as a founder myself I know all too well how crucial this can be. You'll find content, videos, articles, tools, tips and information to support you on the rollercoaster ride of being a founder. Now, I'm slightly biased as I share some of my learnings there myself. In fact, all the golden advice I can think of that I believe will help you on your journey and some of the things I also wish I'd known along the way. So just head to Royal Mail Small Business Hub via royalmail.com to see how it can help you. Now, back to this week's conversation of inspiration. With 
Otis, you've got lovely Harry Oscar Narchi. Yeah. What would you say it has been like building a business, trying to entwine the family? Because it is, again, it's something that's not really spoken about. But, you know, as parents, mothers, fathers, family life, normal life is noisy enough, let alone have a business as well. How have you managed to... Um, and I know, Antonia, you are working as a, a paediatric transplant specialist nurse as yeah. well. So how does this all work together? Um, so I think the boys really massively have have driven us even more, even more than we were driven before that they came along. I think they make it worthwhile. Like it, it sounds, it sounds probably a little bit like silly or cliche or whatever you want to call it, mm. but they make those tough days easier because they don't care. Like they don't care what you're driving around in or if you've got infinite amounts of money or if you've been on holiday or not. Like it doesn't matter to them. They just happy to see you. And and I think that they they ground us so much and they make us realise actually what's the most important thing is us as a family. Mm. But I feel like we always talk about this is a journey Building a business is a journey and they are lucky and we are lucky that they get to be on that journey with us yeah. and they get to see what it's like to see their mummy and daddy on Dragon's Den, but then the following day see their mummy and daddy a little bit sad because we've just like lost a distributor or something like just something like yeah. that. And, yeah. and and also like one of, I think one of both of our proudest moments was when Oscar eldest graduated from nursery and um they all of the kids had kind of written down or got some one of the teachers to write down what they wanted to be when they're older and Oscar wrote when I'm older I want to make nursing oh my and that goodness. was like so he was like <laughs> oh no <laughs> so he was like just turned four yeah and he knew yes. like this this was already instilled in him at such an early age and I think that that is just such a great gift to give the kids like life's not going to be easy but come on let's just try and enjoy this adventure and enjoy this journey together. I couldn't agree with you more I remember Harry he must have been maybe the same age actually he said um he was speaking to my mum and he was saying that, you know, he'd like to build a business oh. when he was older. And um, but, but he's not allowed to. And and mum said, but why not? But I'm I'm not a girl. I'm not a girl. <laughs> All right. And I, we mum was like coming from the 60s. She's like, right, gosh, things have changed, you know. But like you, you, you've got these little souls going along the journey, picking up all these bits that you don't realise. He's now 19. Yeah. And so actually he's so interested in business. He's so empathetic to my ups and downs. You know, he's the one that gives me the best hug yeah. because he yeah. truly knows what those are. And that's what you've got. You're going to have that, you know, and they learn so much more than they would at school, you know, around business and the true highs and lows. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I do believe it's a gift to the next generation. Absolutely. If you can bring bring them in um, into your world. We were just talking about the highs and lows. And, you know, at the end of this podcast, I do actually ask founders to say if, if this had been a roller coaster, which you're still very much strapped into, yeah. what would you say has been your biggest low so far? I think it probably has to be me, is it? Would you say, Antonia? Like, yeah. And the, and the ripple effect that having me out of the game for a few months mm -hmm. probably and the stresses that came mm. with it and try, you were pretty much dealing with the boys all on your own yeah uh, yeah you when you had to have your brain tumor removed at, at the end of 2022 I think that was that was huge and I feel like we'd probably we'd built built up to it very much so so there was always that anxiety there was the year on year of like mm. for, so essentially we got married in 2015 and at the end of 2015 he found out about this brain tumor so it was kind of like it, we knew it was always there and in a way like that that talking about that clock it kind of makes everything feel a bit more like brief we need to get a move on and what would you say conversely is your greatest high what would you say has been a moment that you're like, are you joking that we get to live this life? <laughs> I mean, we'll have to say... Or is it still yet to come, Johnny? <laughs> no, well... That's the thing that keeps me not from quitting. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know what? I think I, I, I'd probably say for both of us, it was 
going on Dragon's Den maybe. Yeah. Because there's so many times you watch that program, for example, at home mm. and your PJs on the sofa thinking, oh, I could do that. <laughs> and then you think, you know, it's like when you're watching like SCS programs and you think, could, could yeah. I do that? I don't, probably not. <laughs> and then you see Dragon's Den and you think, I, I could probably do yeah. that. And then to think that we actually did it and, and did it reason well, pretty well, that was, I think at the time was like, wow, okay, well, I'm so pleased that we've yeah. done a good job. Yeah. Well, for anyone who hasn't seen it, by the way, do <laughs> go and have a look at it. It's really, really <laughs> good. You. you are so, so good. Thank you, Holly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this has just been such a lovely time to just understand your brand more and get to know both of you. What such kind-hearted people building a brand that I really think is... Uh, just really at the beginning of its opportunity, potentially, you know, for, for caring for our nurses, caring for the nation's hands. What else are you going to care for? It's just going to be so interesting to watch. But it is that time of the podcast now where I hand over to you, <laughs> where I think you prepared a letter to your younger selves. Yes. Now, have you have you told each no. other it? No, no. <laughs> no. Oh, I love it. Oh, when this, this is going to be very okay. scary. Are you scared? <laughs> I am as well. <laughs> Who's going to go first then? Uh, ladies first, ladies first. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Right. Dear Antonia, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Is one of the truest quotes from the wonderful film Forrest Gump. I'll take the story of Forrest further. He struggled a lot through life, but through hard work, perseverance, repetition and mindset... He achieved so many great things. I truly believe that you can too, Antonia. Oh, sorry, I'll take a breath. Right. Never, ever let someone tell you you can't do something or be someone. You can absolutely be anything you want to be. Work hard and then work harder again. It will make life easier in the long run. Stick at the things you find hard and don't be afraid to ask for help. You are not a failure for doing so. Don't be afraid to be you. You are truly unique and you should celebrate that. Just because everyone else is acting a certain way or wearing a certain thing doesn't mean you need it to. You have your own inner beauty. Show it and share it. Surround yourself with people who light you up and who also love the light you give out. Sometimes during the hard times, your light may dim. The friends who are all the best kind will sit with you and your dim light and find ways to bring that light back. Stand up for what you believe in and don't be afraid to speak up. Stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. We all have a duty to look after each other. Kindness cannot be underestimated. It will always go a long way. Be humble in life. As Mother Teresa said, we cannot do great things only small things with great love. Life is not always going to be easy. Focus on the little things of beauty, the sound of the sea, the sky, wind rustling through the trees, laughter and fresh air. Those things will always ground you. As a final note, as Dr. Zeus says in the places you go, kids, you'll move mountains. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. With love from Big Antonia. <laughs> God. That's just really beautiful. Thank you. That's just really beautiful. My goodness. And I've got to follow that. That's not good. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Oh, dear. I wish you'd told me that, Antonia. I wouldn't have. I would, I, I said... I've kept mine very functional. Mine is very functional. Very blokey. Oh, dear. <laughs> dear Johnny. <clears throat> Firstly, put down that chocolate bar and pay attention. <laughs> Today is the 12th of February, 2024. And believe it or not, you just turned 40 on Friday. How on earth did you make it that far? <laughs> just so you know, you're married to the person you met in high school. So excellent decision. You've got three lush kids who are also your best friends and a great business you should be proud of. However, I know you and you're the world's greatest procrastinator. So here are four things I think you might find useful. One, prioritise your health. You only have one of you, so look after yourself, please. And no, the diet doesn't start on Monday. <laughs> Stop dithering and get married. So much good will follow. 
if you can laugh until you cry every single day, nothing else will matter. So spending time with your friends and family are the key, by the way, and don't take yourself or things too seriously. Four, read Let My People Go Surfing by Yvonne Chouinard as soon as possible. It'll change you forever. In fact, just read more. Oh, and a bonus tip. Spend as much time as you can with your nana, please. She'll not be there forever, and she was your biggest fan. Have as much fun as you can and be kind. Love you. <laughs> there we go. You two are, you two make me just, you've, you've made my heart so warm. <laughs> Thank you. You are beautiful together. Thank you. Honestly, I think that you obviously have a beautiful marriage, but as co-founders as well, you've got something really, really special. And I want you to just know that and know that what you're doing, we can all feel it. Everyone listening to this podcast can feel you. Thanks, Holly. And you know what? People want to back good people. <laughs> so you're going to have a huge amount of people backing you from this podcast, but also just generally if people meet you. And never underestimate that power, by the way, because as your company, and by the way, it will become more and more successful, you know, just keep holding on to, you know, that true value and those true hearts that you have. And thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having us, Holly. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's been amazing. <laughs> Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, can I ask that you share it with a friend and like, subscribe and review it too, so that together we can inspire even more people to follow their dreams, to build a life they love. Mm -hmm.